Welcome to the PeaceWorks Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Moles. I'm a pastor and biblical counselor who helps churches and families confront the evil of domestic violence and promote healthy, God-honoring relationships. Welcome back to the PeaceWorks Podcast, everyone. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing, continuing our discussion on the W, the PeaceWorks process. But before we jump into that content, and in particular, transformation, I want to remind you of Men of Peace. Men of Peace is our online digital course designed to help individuals who identify as abusive experience the transformation of Jesus Christ through the gospel. Uh, This is great for biblical counselors who need a little help with their homework assignments and structure. It's uh, wonderful for churches who want to build teams to kind of help men process uh, the needed change in their lives, and it's certainly helpful for men who identify as abusive who want to take the next step in discipleship. You can learn more about the Men of Peace digital course at menofpeace.org. So we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about the Men of Peace self-paced course, about the process of change that we propose when working with men, and it begins or runs through what we call the W. The W is our success path, beginning with information, uh, learning about the dynamics and impact of abuse, placing ourselves in the story, uh, understanding our choices, our behaviors, our motivations, and our impact, then moving to ownership, ownership being the taking responsibility, validating the harm that we've done, stepping into um, a place of acceptance, and uh, that moves us on uh, to transformation. You know, before we can even talk about transformation, the application of the gospel, I think maybe it's important just to take a few moments and talk about one of the you know landmines or hazards for the church, for biblical counselors, for people helpers within ministry, is to kind of rush ahead uh, when we reach the first pivot point. One of the reasons why we structured the W in the way that we did was to give us a success path, uh, at least some signposts to help measure the growth that we're seeing and also to caution us not to run ahead. So let me give you an example or, or just kind of play that out a little bit. So an individual has willingly stepped into the information stage. They're, they're acknowledging. They're coming to some conclusions. They're willing to state, here's what I did. And they're even beginning to acknowledge the impact. I understand that it caused this level of harm and affected my partner in the following ways. They're beginning to wrestle with the James four principles of desire and motivation. I wanted uh, to scare her. I wanted peace. I wanted her to be quiet. I wanted to be left alone or, or whatever uh, motivation begins to spring up in the conversation that we're having. And so we get to that point of ownership where they begin to say, I'm willing and want to take responsibility. I acknowledge these things. And for some of us in the church, that becomes the end point. We've simply went from the top of the W to the first pivot point, witnessed confession, acknowledgement, and then we come back to leadership of the church or we come back to the spouse and we declare the individual changed. And I think that's premature still, and that's what we want to warn against. While it is exciting 
And there's certainly um, a point at which we want to acknowledge that. We want to celebrate that stage in growth and change. We don't want to stop. We, we want to make sure that we pursue um, the next stage in the process. We want to make sure that we don't stop at acknowledgement. Confession is good, and it's necessary for repentance, but we also want to see the change process lived out. And so I do think well-meaning leaders, uh, counselors, pastors, get an acknowledgement, uh, a level of ownership, and they begin to celebrate as if the work is done, when really that is among the initial stages of the work. If you're considering uh, doing this work or you're currently involved in this work with men, then you're going to recognize uh, what my buddy Greg talks about when he talks about um, the, the way in which men come to the process. Some come in hostile, um, really obstinate to the process. Some come in resistant or reluctant, and some come in open. And certainly, uh, men can vacillate between those three. They can come in reluctant and then shift to hostile. They can come in resistant and move into being more open and willing. Uh, it is somewhat of an ebb and flow, but their posture will somewhat determine our ability to move forward. And so an openness is great in the initial stages. And it's it's a wonderful um, and exciting time for a helper because we can perceive the work as going smoothly. Now, I'll, I'll give you a warning that one of my mentors gave me years and years ago, Doc Smith, um, said to me one time, well, when everything seems to be going incredibly well, you should probably prepare for a major upset, that there is just this ebb and flow to care and counseling, and especially in our work with this population, that you will take two steps forward and one step back, or sometimes you'll take one step forward and five steps back. There is an ebb and flow to the life of this. And so to declare an individual good to go, transformed, because we've seen an initial receptivity to the material is both premature and unwise because we haven't called them to anything significant in the area of change. We've simply called them to acknowledge the ways in which they've harmed their partner. And it seems like, quite frankly, a big deal because most abusive individuals are not just reluctant to acknowledge that, they are completely hesitant, resistant, or blind uh, to the effects and choices that they've made. So it seems like a big win, and, and in many ways it is, but it's not the end of the process. And I, I've reiterated that enough, I think, but it is important for us as people helpers not to wrap up our care and confrontation early simply because we've reached that first pivot point. It is important to interact with uh, the confession, the acknowledgments. It is important then to run that responsibility, accountability, and ownership through the lens of the gospel. Because without the gospel, without Jesus, you know, in his proper place, is transformation really possible? I would suggest that changes can be made. The old, you know, rearranging chairs on the Titanic type of analogy could take place. But when it comes to real lasting transformation, 
We need more than just, yes, I did these things. Yes, I chose this. Yes, I caused this. Um, We instead need the motivation and the power, the ability, and the purpose to say, now, what will I do differently because of what's happened in me, and how will that affect life through me? And that's why in Men of Peace, we do take time to not simply put off and put on. I'm, I'm a big fan of that. You will hear in a future podcast some examples of putting off and putting on. If you're not familiar with that phraseology, that's simply a um, biblical language that Paul would in particular use in the New Testament letters to the church about moving from sinful patterns to new righteous or godly patterns. And it is akin to you know, taking off an old coat and putting on a new coat, taking off some old shoes and putting on some new shoes. There's a time and a place for ceasing what once was, right, and engaging in what now is. And that is part of, and, and if not the whole of, what we're attempting to do with Men of Peace. But the, the dilemma is if you rush that point because abusive individuals, and some of you are listening to this podcast have committed acts of abuse and you probably get frustrated listening to me because you want to know what to do. Tell me what to do next. That's a very common phrase. The danger with that is to simply give an individual pragmatic next steps without addressing the heart um, can actually be counterproductive because good things can become bad things uh, when ill intent, poor motivation uh, and corruption are still part of our heart. That's why we don't simply rush to putting off and putting on. We want to make sure there's a heart change, a um, identity shift, a worshipful attitude that comes into play. And that's why we introduce the gospel post-acknowledgement because we do want to see change happen. We want to see those put-offs and put-ons, but for lack of a better word, we're not convinced that you even have the power to effectively put off and put on if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't encountered the gospel, if you're not empowered by the Holy Spirit. And simply giving you the pragmatic next steps runs the risk of creating Pharisees, religious observers who then use that religiosity uh, in the same way that they used uh, other behaviors. Uh, sometimes we we say they become you can become a polite abuser who commits respectable sins, things that are not as noticeable, and that's certainly not what we want to to promote. So we come back to the gospel and who is Jesus? What did he do for you? What does he want to do in you? How does he want to function through you? And what is required of you? And those major questions are things that we have to dialogue in light of who we have been and what we have done, and what's expected moving forward. Uh, there's an old statement, uh, you know, the old preachers used to say, sometimes you've got to get them lost before you can get them found. And if you're in a culture that that was a very, you know, Christian culture, for instance, some people are convinced that they're believers, but they really don't have a relationship with Jesus. And so sometimes you have to be um, firm enough to say your behavior, your choices, your motivations, your uh, the impact that you're having, the attitude that you're possessing is counter uh, Jesus. It is antithetical 
to what Christ has called us to be. So the conclusions we're coming to is that you don't know Jesus. You're not a Christian at all. Uh, sometimes when there is a um, clear evidence of a conversion point, but um, th- there's still this hesitancy on our part to acknowledge salvation, we may say something like, your behavior, your actions, your motivations, the, the life in which you're living is not the life of a Christ follower. It's evidencing that you're either an unbeliever or you're incredibly rebellious. Either way, repentance is your next step. And the gospel is paramount to that. And so we try to introduce guys to what we call, you know, three aspects of the gospel. Of course, the gospel is much more rich and robust than that, but we're trying to introduce them to some of the concepts. And certainly there is the um, um, transactional aspect of the gospel that most men are accustomed to. I prayed the prayer, now Jesus does his part. And I think that has been so broadly or widely broadcast uh, that some of the men that we have worked with over the years are very complacent or um, somewhat ignorant to the actual gospel, the good news of Jesus, to the point that they merely see the gospel as a ticket to heaven. I, I did my part. It's like a recipe, and um, I'll, I'll get the reward later on. But really, we want to provide them with um, inf- information, a, a clear vision of first the provisional aspects of the gospel. What has Jesus provided for you? Like what is available to you through the gospel? Certainly salvation is part of that, a large part of that, uh, but so is sanctification. I've heard it many times that the same faith that saves you is the same faith that sanctifies you. And so that there is an expectation now that Jesus wants to transform your life. He has provided so much more than just a relocation strategy for when you die and really moving the um, the good news kind of outside of the where will you spend eternity, the good news of how will, in what ways will the good news change your life, your thinking, your, your attitude, your choices. There definitely is a provisional aspect to the gospel in which God has provided much for you through Jesus. There's also positional aspects of the gospel. These are things that sometimes men also don't recognize. There are things about us as believers that are now true, who we are. Sometimes we call this identity. Um, That's a huge sticking point uh, for men who commit acts of abuse. And I'll try to give you an example. It is very common for counselors, helpers, pastors to reach out to me and to say, okay, we see the abuse. He acknowledges the abuse, but he is completely obstinate to the idea of being an abuser. He's like, I don't want to be labeled. And, and I, have, I have varying thoughts on that. Sometimes you don't want to jump to that the first thing. That's really not a hill to die on, whether or not someone says I'm an abuser or not. However, there is a point in our discussion where identity is a big part of our discussion. And as I think through like Paul's words to the church, you know, such were some of you. There, there is a past identity and there is a future identity. And Jesus has provided through the death, burial, and resurrection. And then he has positioned us with identity. Um, and, and there's all kinds of 
indicative statements about us in the Scripture regarding our priesthood and our adoption and our sonship and our heirship and all the things that are now true of us, and we get a chance then to live out of that identity. So I, I am not opposed to using the word abuser, especially if we're saying, when is an abuser no longer an abuser? Like, How does the identity that Christ is wanting to shape in you squeeze out, push out, you know, subvert that identity that you have been living in? And I mean, if we're not willing to acknowledge the, the extent to which we have sinned, right, then are we willing to acknowledge the greatness at which Christ has saved us, you know, with uh, the, the depth at which Christ has saved us and changed us? Uh, so we, we try to talk about the provisional aspects of the gospel, what God has done, the positional aspects of the gospel, what, what is now said and true of us, and then the practical aspects of the gospel. How do we live that out? What are the expectations? And we do have expectations. I think that's something that, again, we are losing a bit in the church. Some of us who are maybe more afraid of legalism and and rules will sometimes just allow uh, the word grace to be cheapened to the point that, you know, hey, as long as you, you know, bear the name of Christ, you can kind of do whatever you want. But there really are expectations to being a Christ follower. Um, and, and we want to apply those practically to and with the men that we work with. And so Men of Peace does focus on the provisional aspects of the gospel, the positional aspects, and then practically, what does a Christ follower look like? We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about progress, practice. We're talking about working out our salvation, living in response to the work that Christ has done. And that is what we discuss in the transformational piece of the W. If you're unwilling to accept the good news of what Christ has done for you, then I struggle with the idea that you're going to be able to experience change. If your identity is wrapped up in your personal reputation and not in what Christ says about you, I struggle you'll have the proper motivation to experience and live in that change. If practically you're really about dotting the I's and crossing the T's and jumping through the hoops and getting this done, and not about living in light of your calling, being uh, walking worthy of what has been done for you and in you, then I doubt and struggle um, to see transformation really taking place. And that's why the middle point, the, the, the second movement for us as a church, is we introduce the, in, the information, we invite them into ownership, we introduce the transformation in order to invite them into surrender. And that's why we continue to bring the gospel to bear throughout the counseling and confrontation process because we believe as biblical counselors that without the gospel, true transformation is not possible. And that's when sometimes you'll hear us say we begin to manage safety uh, because sanctification is not taking place. We prefer sanctification. We want to see transformation. And that only happens through the gospel not simply through willpower, behavioral change, um, techniques or strategies. It happens through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, uh, the sufficiency of Christ and his word, and the significance and centrality of the gospel itself. So I hope that gives a little clarity to what we do, that we're not simply promoting a self-help course, but we're talking about 
the process of change through the filter, lens, and centrality of the gospel. If you want to know more about Men of Peace, you can head over to menofpeace.org. There's all kinds of videos and frequently asked questions to help add clarity. As I said earlier, this is a great um, resource for biblical counselors who are looking to supplement their counseling. Maybe you're not um, widely experienced in this work or you're, you're lacking a little bit of the case wisdom and skill and you really want kind of a helping hand. This would be a great homework supplement to help you in working with an abusive individual. Maybe you are that individual. You have been abusive in your home. You've been coercive, controlling, threatening, isolating, manipulating, minimizing, denying, blaming, or a host of other activities, hope of host of other choices, harming your partner, and you're ready to take a step uh, toward Jesus and transformation through the gospel. This could be a great first step for you. So uh, excited to share that with you guys, excited to make that part of our Domestic Violence Awareness Month. I hope that you um, have enjoyed this podcast. We appreciate everybody who listens in week after week. Please let the platform know that you're listening on, how much you appreciate the PeaceWorks podcast. Give us a good rating, review, subscribe, follow, whatever the platform dictates. Let them know how much you appreciate the PeaceWorks podcast. Thank you again for listening today. And until next time, God bless.